right, so here's the thing. I live about a good 20, 25 minutes away from T-Mobile Arena. It's a very long drive. You know, get all the way from T-Mobile Arena to Henderson. It takes a little bit of a drive. And usually I get off on the 15 and take my normal route home. It's a little bit of a long drive, but usually after a game, it gives me time to ponder, gives me time to think about what I'm going to say when I come on here and I talk to you guys for the 25, 30 minutes that I have allotted myself to discuss Vegas Golden Knights shenanigans with you guys. And the entire drive home, I kept trying to think, what is the best way I can say this without thinking that I'm going to be sipping so much Kool-Aid in the next 25 to 30 minutes that makes it seem like there is still a realistic chance that something could happen that could throw a wrench into everything. But at this current point in time, what is the best way I can put to say what I just saw tonight at T-Mobile Arena, and the only thing that I can think of at this moment, at 12.06 a.m. on a Friday morning, ladies and gentlemen, the Vegas Golden Knights are back. They are back. They are a threat in this current landscape of the Western Conference. And my God, it took 62 games, but man, they are for real, ladies and gentlemen. And on that note, welcome to another episode of Locked On Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is indeed now officially Friday, February 21st. Think of this as your Thursday, February 20th episode. It is your post-game podcast about two hours after the Vegas Golden Knights did what I could not fathom to think that they would be able to do at the start of this homestand. I don't think anybody in their right mind would have thought that they've been able to do what they've been able to accomplish on Murderer's Row. And here we are, four up, four down for the Vegas Golden Knights, a 5-3 to three win over the red-hot Tampa Bay Lightning. They end their 11-game winning streak. And, whoa, boy, do we have a lot to, we have a lot to talk about today. So welcome again, friends to this new episode. I am your host, Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you stopping by today. How are you? Hope things are doing well. Hope you're having a good day. Hope you are enjoying the fact that it is Friday. It is a good Friday. We've reached the end of the work week. I know sometimes I like to say, at least I hope you had a good work week. Then you blink one day and holy crap, it's Friday. And then all of a sudden, everything just falls into place. So I hope you're having a good day. I'm thinking you're having a good day if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan. And maybe if you're not, if you're not a Vegas Golden Knights fan, you're listening to this podcast, I hope you are having a very good day. We do have a lot to digest, a lot to dissect after this game that went down at T-Mobile Arena this evening. But before we do, you know the drill. Usual housekeeping items out of the way first, and I do give an extra welcome to those of you who are listening to this podcast for the very first time, as this is a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you consume your podcasting. This podcast is more likely on that forum. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. 
Or if you like sending emails, you can do so to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. And I do appreciate you being here. So I, I ask this question almost every day now, or almost after every game. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? I, I guess we'll start off with this because we need to go back to the very beginning of this homestand where I, after the Minnesota game, I legitimately had no idea how many points this team could get in this, in this five game homestand. You look at the teams that were lined up for this homestand, St. Louis, New York, Washington, Tampa, Florida, all in a row. When this homestand started all five of those teams were in a playoff spot, and you were facing one, two, three, four of them in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference, where you really have not had a lot of success overall over the last two and a half seasons. And this was a make or break time for the Golden Knights. If they didn't get at least five points, I think I set the bar eye for at least five. If they didn't get five, it would have been a failure. Anything above that would be gravy. The Vegas Golden Knights have eight out of a possible 10 points on Murderer's Row with one more game to go Saturday against the Florida Panthers. And you know what? Depending on how that game goes, it might not even matter because this was the game. This was the game from the moment it was circled on the calendar, the moment that this homestand was creeping up, this was the game that we were going to be talking about Vegas versus Tampa Tampa coming in on an 11 game winning streak six in a row at home the hottest goaltender on the planet the reigning Vezina trophy winner Andre Vasilevsky on a 21 game point streak and the Golden Knights for the most part of this game dominated the Tampa Bay Lightning dominated from nearly start to finish. Tampa had a really good first period. They came out swinging, got a couple of good opportunities on Marc-Andre Fleury. He made a couple of key saves. Uh, Outside of really the lucky goal that was credited to Kevin Shattenkirk, where he throws the backhand in front and it kicks off Nick Holden's skate, really there's not much to talk about with Tampa Bay because Vegas got a lot of key saves from Fleury. They got a couple of good chances on Vasilevsky early. And for the most part, they held their own for the first, you know, for the first period. And even Tampa, despite that, had a very solid game from their standpoint. Obviously, the Shattenkirk goal kind of set things in motion. But then the tide turned in 18 plus minutes of hockey The only thing that I was thinking about for the first period is how would the newly acquired Alec Martinez handle his first game in a Golden Knights sweater. And the only way I can really tie a a bow and put it on the package in in this format is this. About a month ago, when Vegas was on their eight game road trip and they were in Nashville, Chandler Stevenson scored a goal, and immediately after he scored that goal, I said that Chandler Stevenson might be the best trade acquisition in the entire league to this point. And really, when you look at the landscape of the NHL, Chandler Stevenson was really the best trade acquisition for any team at that point. And the fact that he's been able to produce the way that he has kind of uh, proves that point. 
I can honestly sit here today, ladies and gentlemen, and tell you that I think after one game, Alec Martinez is not that far off on the clubhouse lead. Martinez scores his second goal of the game at the 18-plus minute mark off a rebound, off a shot from Cody Eakin from the high slot. Rebound kicks off of Vasilevsky. Martinez is there at the left circle and fires the rebound. It's 1-1. And all of a sudden, the momentum changed. And this was a question I posed to Max Pacioretty. I asked it to Mark Stone after. I even asked Pete DeBoer after the game. It's one thing to tie the game that way. Okay, it's one It's one thing to, t- to go in to the end of the first period, play a really solid period, still sort of kind of get outplayed by Tampa, and then to come back and tie the game. It's another thing in entirety to have that guy that you just acquired for two second-round picks to come in and score that goal. The 32-year-old defenseman who has dealt with wrist injuries and injuries in general for the last couple of years and really a guy that a lot of people have been saying that he was overpaid to acquire him comes out and scores that goal all of a sudden I think that was the key to this whole thing if that guy scores that goal in his debut that is only that only has to feed the momentum on the bench right like the bench is going crazy, the players going crazy, the crowd's going nuts. Narrative, my God, narrative is a wonderful thing. You guys know I've talked about narrative so many times on this podcast. It is a wonderful thing. When that guy scored that goal, that was a game changer. It could have been anybody else, and I don't think Tampa would have been as rattled. But the fact that that guy scored that goal to tie the game and send it into the first intermission tied at one, I think was the the huge moment in that game that kind of got the Golden Knights in gear. And sure enough, second period, they come out swinging. They are aggressive on the four check. They had, they committed a couple of penalties early on. They even had a couple of shorthanded chances right away. Stasny had a good chance from Smith uh, late in one power play. And then later on, a couple minutes later, after that penalty, Smith, Throws it in net, Stasny deflection, beats Vasilevsky, 2-1, to one. momentum is crazy. It is absolutely crazy, and you start getting the sense that, holy crap, Vegas might win this game. And then you give up another penalty, Stamkos from his office ties the game 2-2. Two two. At that point, I don't necessarily think Tampa had all the momentum, but you knew that they were going to be coming. You knew that they were going to continue to put the pressure on. You knew that they were going to continue with all that talent with all of just the firepower that they have, you knew the Tampa was going to be coming. And then one minute later, who starts the play that turns the tide of the game? Alec Martinez, who makes an incredible poke check. I have to go back and watch the play I because I need to confirm. Everyone tells me that he poke checked Nikita Kucherov straight up. And if that is the case, that is one hell of a play. Kucherov gets poke checked. We're going to go with Kucherov. I need to go back and look at the play. But Kucherov gets poke checked by Martinez at the tail end of the neutral zone. Get the puck trickles to Max Pacioretty. He's going down the right hand side. They got a two on one with Stone on the left. Pacioretty flips it to Stone, deeks past Vasilevsky, three to two a minute later. And that was the sign of the Golden Knights of old responding in a way that they can only respond by a quick goal in a short amount of time. 3-2, to two, they take that lead. 
into the second pier, into the second intermission, and Vegas has a 3-2 lead. They've got all the momentum. If they can just hold on, they're in great shape. Not only does Vegas hold on in this in going into the third period, it takes 10 seconds off a ridiculously incredible individual effort by Ryan Reeves to intercept the puck. I believe it was from Braden Coburn intercepts the puck, controls the bouncing puck, gets enough on it to where he gets a really good wicked shot off beats Vasilevsky 10 seconds into the third four to two that fourth line, which has started almost every single game for like the last seven or eight games comes out in the third period and takes it to the Tampa, the the Tampa top unit, the top unit of Tampa. And it's four to two. Then the following shift fourth line draws a penalty. Seven seconds later, Pacioretty snipes it five, two. Unbelievable. Unbelievable response by the golden Knights. Unbelievable play overall from top to bottom, all four lines contributing all three D pairs contributing the goaltending, of course, was strong once again. And the Golden Knights are now in first place in the Pacific Division after a 5-3 to three victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning. 11-game win streak, done. Six-game road, six road winning streak, done. 21-game point streak by Vasilevsky, done. All in one game. And the Golden Knights, I I do, I, I'm telling you, if I had a pitcher of Kool-Aid, I would drink it right now. Because this, right now, I, again, is the defense perfect? No. Is Martinez going to be the savior? Probably not. But you get that game from that new guy. And that trickles down to everybody on board. That momentum carries to one hell of a team effort to come into your barn where you've already got three impressive victories, three ridiculously good wins in this homestand. You've beaten the last two Stanley Cup champions in your building. And then when push came to shove in a tough, defensive, gritty goaltending battle, you beat the Islanders who are known for their defense and their goaltending, and you beat them in a one-goal game. Tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights were the better team from start to finish. They got the better goaltending. They got the better play from their top superstars. And their defense was spectacular. Now, one question I got asked on Twitter after the game was, was there anything negative that I could point to from the Golden Knights? The only thing really I could point to that was a negative for Vegas, you don't want to give Tampa four power play opportunities. They cashed in on two. The second one was in garbage time. So Vegas really should have won 5-2. The The fourth power play was a delay of game. So, I mean, that's really a wash. But... And I believe Tampa scored on a six on four. So it's not like that is the overarching thing, but you don't want to give up too many power plays to Tampa. Like you just cannot under any circumstance. But the fact that Vegas killed two of them and was really good 
in those two that they killed? Because you can allow the one from Stamkos. The first one from Stamkos tied the game, but the fact that Vegas was able to respond a minute later and take the 3-2 lead, that was more impressive for me. So I look at this entire game, and I don't see any negatives. And I don't see any negatives because mainly it was against the team that you've had circled on your calendar for the better part of a few weeks now. I mean, it was only a few weeks ago when Vegas went to Tampa and we talked about it right here on this podcast. Vegas went into Tampa and for the most part played a very good game, a game they should have won. If not for a couple of defensive lapses here and there, Vegas could have won in Tampa and Vegas has played very well against Tampa. No matter their success, even last year, when they lost three to two on Nevada Day, and then they went into went into Tampa when you know the Lightning were on a roll and they were still uh, on their way to a 128 point season, Vegas beat them in a shootout. So it's not like Vegas struggles heavily against Tampa. They are a team, one of the few teams in the league, I think, that can give Tampa fits. And especially if, God forbid, they were to meet in the Stanley Cup final, I think Vegas would give them a run for their money, given given their skill given how heavy they play and just how aggressive they've been on the penalty kill on the four check, just everything fits well to where if you got Vegas and Tampa in a seven game series, it would be fantastic, but at least I would be able to favor Vegas in that light just because they played so well against them in their history. So, I mean, I looked up and down this game. I don't see any negatives. This was nearly a perfect game. Nearly a perfect game. I'd give it a 95% perfect game rating. The only thing I would give up are those four penalties. Other than that, that is the that is the game. That is the statement win. I know we talked earlier about statement wins. The two against the Blues really to this point were these statement wins. This one. This is the one that I think if Vegas goes on a run, we're going to be looking back at this game. And we are just going to be in awe of how ridiculous they played in this game, and they were unbelievable, which is why I think the Golden Knights are back at this point. And you know what? (laughs) This one's going to be a little bit long, guys. Like, I know I'm going to be talking a lot about this game, just... But the fact I'm looking at the timer right now and we're coming up on 19 minutes and I'm just only talking about the entirety of this game. I haven't even talked about Alec Martinez in general because he played absolutely fantastic. I think he was third in terms of skaters in ice time for Vegas. I think it was 20 minutes and 10 seconds, which was trailing, I think, Theodore and Schmidt or Theodore and McNabb, one of one of those two combinations. And he led Vegas with four block shots. And then, of course, the goal and the assist, which gives him now 200 career points in the National Hockey League. It's just crazy to me that this guy, when he was traded to Vegas, comes in with three points in his previous 14 games and all of a sudden two in one. And again, I don't, you can argue day and night, do you think Vegas gave up too much for him? It's one game. This is the one thing that I need to temper my expectations on. It's one game. Alec Martinez played one hell of a game. And I kind of mentioned it yesterday. When you're, a, when you're a guy playing in a bad situation like L.A. and you go to a good situation in Vegas when there's winning going on and when you're atop the Pacific Division now and you're, and you're really in a chance to compete for the Western Conference Championship, it, it can change a lot for guys who have been in a losing situation for a while. And, I mean, you, you go back to when the Kings were last in the playoffs, which was 2018, 
and when they got swept against Vegas, that was really the last time that the Kings core as we know it was at its peak. And ever since then, they have not had a good string of successful hockey. So a lot of those guys, you know, Kopitar, Dowdy, Brown, uh, Quick, those guys have been so mired in losing for the last number of years that if you got any of those guys in a change of scenery, of course, they're going to be motivated to play. And I think right now, that's what you're going to get out of Alec Martinez, at least in these final 20 games. And when you get to the playoffs, because when you are a guy who has been you know, dealing with injuries like he has, and you're in a position where you know, you're coming from a bad situation in LA to a team that's competing for a division title, you, you kind of get that sense in that pep in your step again, like, oh my gosh, I'm actually playing with a purpose right now instead of competing for last place in like the fourth overall pick in the draft. So I think in that retrospect, that's where I think having Martinez is going to help because you know he's a proven winner and you give him a chance to be motivated in this sense, a chance to win and a chance to be successful come April, maybe May, maybe June, that's going to have a lot of effect on a guy who's been there and done that. But again, it's one game. Emotions were probably running high, but I thought he was really good. He was very solid on the PK. He was There was an instance in the first period where he jumped into the rush and won a puck battle along the boards. I thought that was impressive. And then, of course, to have the wherewithal to, to corral the rebound, and get the goal to tie the game. And then not only to that, but to have the presence of mind to make that poke check, that poke check, that poke check, the poke check in the neutral zone to get the puck away from Kucherov and to spring the two on one between Pacioretty and Stone. If that is the kind of effort that the Golden Knights are going to get from Alec Martinez, you may not even need to make another move for another defenseman before Monday. Because right now, those those six that you put on the ice tonight, and with Martinez being with Merrill, I don't know how much that's going to last, but you put him out there, you're looking pretty solid. And again, I, I, I got to remind myself, it's one game. Overall, team-wise, it's one game, but it's a one game of giant magnitude. For Alec Martinez, it's one game with the expectations that we need to kind of temper a little bit. So there's my thoughts on that. The other thing I wanted to talk about was Ryan Reeves' goal because <laughs> um, we discovered in the press box uh, next to my colleague and friend, Willie Ramirez of the Associated Press, he goes on the computer uh, about after Reeves scores his goal, it's like, I don't know, maybe two minutes after he scores his goal and finds out that Thursday was National Muffin Day, which if you remember... Uh, the whole Muffin Man saga with him and Evander Kane, I think his profile picture on Twitter is still the Muffin Man. So Reeves embraces that moniker quite well. We didn't know it was National Muffin Day until later on uh, Later on in the fact. And then when, when Willie asked Reeves about it, he's like, oh, it was? I, someone should have told me I would have scored three goals. But that goal... Because I, man, was that an impressive goal. The other thing about it was, is that I don't think we've talked about the fourth line enough. And I know I've mentioned it in passing, but what the fourth line has been able to do every time DeBoer throws them out to start a game. And, you know, thankfully, and, and I'm not saying that this is an indictment on the skill of the fourth line, nor am I saying this is an indictment on the skill of the third pairing, but to go start a game with your fourth line 
and your third pairing, I'm, I think the Golden Knights should be very, very, very thankful that Tampa did not throw their top line out there to start the game because that is probably the worst possible scenario that you could have possibly done. And the Golden Knights answered the bell. The fourth line answered the bell from the opening shift. Yeah, there was a there was a little moment where the third line, because um, they want, Tampa wanted to start the third line because Blake Coleman was making his debut with Tampa, and they wanted to throw him out there, which totally worked out in Vegas's favor, I think. But um, yeah, there was a little bit of extended time in the ozone for Tampa in, in that first shift and the first couple of shifts. It seemed like Tampa was going to put the put the clamps on Vegas. Fourth line has been, with the exception of the St. Louis game, the fourth line has gone out there and started almost every single game in the last eight or nine games and has delivered big time. Some At some points, they've had the best Corsi out of any of the four lines, with the exception of the Carlson line. And most, most of the time, they are just the most physical, aggressive line that brings the most energy. And when you have a play like Reeves made tonight where he just picks the pocket, I want to, again, I think it was Coburn, picks the pocket and then just somehow corrals the bouncing puck and just fires it at the net and it goes in the momentum you gain from that just by even scoring that kind of a goal is absolutely huge. And to me, this is going to be one of the more under unsung aspects of what Vegas is doing in these final 20 games. If that fourth line, which has gone from averaging like seven, eight minutes a night to now kind of in the realm of 11, maybe 12, if that line can set the tone for a lot of Vegas's uh, attempts at clinching a playoff spot and eventually getting into the playoffs, do I think they start the fourth line in the playoffs? I don't know. That's a discussion for another day. But that line setting that tone and setting that message is absolutely something that is going to benefit Vegas in the long run. Because then if you tire out that top line with that fourth line and you bring in, you know, the Carlson line or the Stasny line, you bring them in there after, you know, going after your second and third line of the opposition, you can get a huge advantage of that. And I definitely think that in come playoff time, you're going to need that fourth line to kind of set the tone. Again, do I think they should start them every game? Probably not. But the results right now indicate that that is working out. It, it was just an amazing goal by Reeves. Absolutely amazing goal, amazing individual effort. And then the comeback, and then the, for the fourth line to draw the penalty that allowed Pacioretty to score that goal was absolutely huge. Absolutely huge. So, again, I'm looking at the clock. I'm trying not to go as long as I normally do in these situations. Now we're going up on 27, 28 minutes now. And, you know, add in the ads that have gone in by this point. It's probably going up close to 30. But again, there is so much to digest here, guys. It it just, it boggles my mind that about a month ago, we were talking about this team basically fighting for its playoff lives after firing the coach that brought them to the Stanley Cup final in its first year. And to all of a sudden, now, do I think... This has been a a thing that's been kind of thrown around on Twitter a little bit. I do want to address it real quick. I do think that what Pete DeBoer has been able to do in now, what, 8-3-2 in, what was that, 13 games now or whatever, however many it's been, do I think that the changes that he's made have kind of gotten this team in gear? Absolutely. I mean, you cannot take that away from the coach. You don't win those amount that amount of games 
if the coach isn't doing something, which is why I thought Gallant going to the zone defensive scheme, you know, whether it was his call or whether it was somebody else's call, you know, that was a change that needed to be made and it worked. What DeBoer is doing, get having the Golden Knights get pucks out of the zone quicker, having them kind of initiate the, excuse me, having them initiate the forecheck the way that they've been doing, make, playing a quicker game in the neutral zone, playing a quicker game overall for all 200 feet. I think that that's definitely a byproduct of DeBoer's system and it's paid off. I also think, though, that part of it is holy hell, the Golden Knights fired their coach and they've got to get their asses in gear. And I think in these last 13 games, however long it's been, the Golden Knights have definitely got their asses in gear. It's not, it hasn't been perfect by any stretch. You know, like I, I, I think that if Vegas wanted to play better, they would say that a lot of their games, a lot of their wins lately, it's still a thing of the process. It's still trying to figure out, you know, what it is that they're trying to do. What kind of identity do they want to have? So it's not really saying that, you know, part of it is Vegas is like, oh, crap, we are a talented team. We should be playing better. And without crediting DeBoer, I think DeBoer deserves a lot of credit for coming in and kind of implementing a system, a no a no nonsense kind of system that has gotten these guys in gear. And they've been playing well because of it. And part of it, I do believe, is that the players realize, crap, we are a better team. Our coach should not have been fired we now have to play better than what we have been. So I think it's a combination of both, but you definitely have to like what you've seen now for the last, again, 13 games. I think it's been, it doesn't feel like 13 games, but it definitely is uh, 13 games now where the golden Knights have for the moment, at least right now have turned a complete 180 on their season to go from losing in Minnesota to good Lord, how many points are they going to get in this homestand to now getting eight of a possible 10 and a very good chance to sweep the whole thing and get 10 out of 10, I think is absolutely remarkable. They brought a buzz back into that, into that arena that has not been felt. in I I'd want to say about almost a couple months now it, that, that when a uh, stone scored that actually, no, when patch already scored that goal and make it five to two, it was at a crescendo that I have not heard in a long time. Uh, you'd have to go probably go back to the playoffs last year to get that kind of reaction uh, from that crowd. And yeah, there have been great moments. Obviously, the Blues game, the both Blues games really this year where they won. Um, you, it, really, it really wasn't like that. Oomph. When Pacioretty scored that goal to make it 5-2, to two, that was the first time I in a long time I heard that crowd just pop. And when that crowd pops, it's unlike anything that I've ever heard in my life. So, you know what? The fact of the matter is that they're winning. And I and I said it before, this time of year, you've got to find a way to get points. You've got to find a way in any way you can to get points. And the fact that they've gotten 8 out of 10 with a chance to take down Florida tomorrow to get a full 10 and then go in the next night against Anaheim, which again, is not going to be easy because one, it's the second game of a back to back. And then two Anaheim kicked your ass the last time you were in that barn. That's not going to be an easy game, especially knowing that the trade deadline is looming following that day. And then you got to deal with Edmonton on that following Wednesday, which Connor McDavid might be back in time for that game. It's the first of three final meetings between the Oilers and the Golden Knights. 
And at this time of the year, with Edmonton still scrapping, with Vancouver losing everybody and gaining Tyler Toffoli and losing Brock Besser, the points are at a premium considering how close this division is and how close really the Western Conference is. Vegas is only six points back for first place in the Western Conference. Can we just acknowledge that for a second? Like, I, I can't believe I went 32, 33 minutes without saying that the Golden Knights are six points back of first place in the Western Conference. Like, St. Louis got a win tonight against Arizona, which, again, helps Vegas in terms of the standings aspect. But St. Louis won one to nothing, and St. Louis has won a couple games in a row where, you know, they haven't been looking really good the last few games. But, you know, they're going to get a turnaround eventually. But the fact that Vegas has two wins over St. Louis now, they're only six points back of first place in the Western Conference, which goes a long way from playing, say, you know, red-hot Winnipeg team that might jump to the second wild card at some point to playing, say, you know, Arizona uh, with them as the second wild card. That could be a huge factor coming in because, you know, Winnipeg all of a sudden has figured out how to win and they're doing really well. Um, But no, it's just you need points at any time you can get them. And this is a premium time to try and get some points. And Vegas, through by hook or by crook, has been able to do that in the most unfathomable of ways. It is unreal what they've been able to accomplish to this point. And again, there's, you know what, 20 games left. They got to play Florida. They got to play Anaheim. They got to play Edmonton. These eight games in February have absolutely helped them. Do not get me wrong. They played, what, eight games at home in the month of February, or they will when Edmonton comes to town. They will have played eight games at home by that time. It has definitely helped them that they have finally been able to turn around their home record. Next month, though, is going to be the nitty-gritty because including that Edmonton game next Wednesday, Vegas has 11 divisional games coming up. And that is going to change the tide of this entire thing. They've got to play Vancouver twice more. They've got to play Edmonton three times. They've got to go to Calgary twice. They've got to go to Arizona one more time. And I think that they play Arizona. No, they've already played Arizona twice. And I'm like, I go to Arizona one more time. And then they've got to go to... I, I think that's it. Oh, they got to play the Kings one more time at home. Um, yeah, and I'm probably missing a couple off the top of my head. But yeah, that that is the bulk of their schedule in March. All of these division games lined up for Vegas. And it's great that they are doing it right now. The big games are going to be next month. And they cannot afford to fall behind in those games. It's the fact that it is fantastic that they have come out of this with eight points out of a possible 10 in murderer's row, it's going to be more magnified going into this stretch where they're playing 11 division games in the next, in the final month of the season. That, that's, I mean, God, what, what do you call it? A four point game. That's 44 points right there. If you think about it, uh, 44 huge points that could turn the tide in this division at any given moment. So, Vegas, if they are back, like I have claimed that they are back, 
This is a very good start. But once this homestand is over and they circle the calendar back past the deadline, it's on. It is on. And the Golden Knights will need to prove that they are indeed the best team in the Pacific Division. Like I think they still are. But given how well Edmonton has hung around for most of this year, given how Vancouver continues to scrap, given how Arizona and Calgary are going to be fighting for their lives, no game is going to be easy for the Golden Knights. So they are in, it's crunch time now. And the fact that they won this game tonight and they're back on the map, the bullseye is going to be a little bit bigger. Maybe about another three times bigger. Because now the Golden Knights are, whether they make a move or not at the deadline, they have shown that they are capable of taking down one of these teams. And they are they have shown that they are capable of being one of, if not the best team in the Western Conference. So that is my soapbox for this evening. Uh, I, I'm looking at the clock. Good Lord, 37 minutes. If you've, if you've stuck around this entire time, God bless you. I, I hope you haven't been waiting for me to upload this at 12.42 a.m. now in the morning. Um, but I do appreciate you guys listening and wanting to hear my thoughts on what the hell happened tonight because that was a game. It felt like a playoff game. It, it felt like really close to a Stanley Cup final game. And Vegas, they played like a playoff team. And they dominated and they've got eight points on Murderer's Row with one more game to go. And you know what? Even No matter the outcome of the Florida game, they've already exceeded my expectations. You, you get the fifth win against Florida, you go 10 for 10, you, you're good in my book. But no matter, I think no matter if they lose on Saturday, it, I think they're in good shape. I think they're fine. The, the, this was the response they needed after the Minnesota game, and they passed with flying colors. So with that, everybody, that is going to do it for me. Uh, Thank you once again for downloading, listening, sharing, subscribing, all that jazz. Thank you for interacting with me on Twitter and uh, wanting to know my thoughts on what the hell is going on in the world of VGK land. Uh, If you are on Apple Podcasts, if you'd be so kind as to leave a review or a rating, uh, lets me know how I'm doing as a podcaster, lets people find the podcast as well. Um... You know, again, I'm still new at this. You know, it's not something that I'm doing every day and being like, I'm going to be the best podcaster ever. You know, I'm doing it for fun. You know, sometimes I ramble over my words. Sometimes I, you know, go on and on and on without any, you know, any end in sight. But you know what? I have fun with what I do. And I appreciate those of you who continue to listen every single day. So thank you again. And I will end it with that. We will be back on Monday, or I might do an episode after this after the Florida game on Saturday, just because we kind of want to get caught up with uh, with Friday's episode. We'll see how it pans out, um, but for sure uh, Monday, since it is the trade deadline, the plan is to do a podcast following Vegas's availability on Monday which is going to be like a three, I think a two o'clock, three o'clock ordeal. And if Vegas does make another move between now and Monday, uh, I will be here to discuss it with you all. So that will do it for me. Thank you guys 
Once again, have a good weekend. If I don't talk to you on later Friday, I will talk to you again on Monday, maybe Saturday. We'll we'll see how it goes. Depends on how things roll. Uh, But until then, ladies and gentlemen, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and I will catch you all later. The Golden Knights might be back, ladies and gentlemen, and it's a weird thing, but it's pretty good. Have a good one.